Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. John Mays of Bossier Orthopedics. We're going to be talking all about hip pain. So we'll be taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned all the way down or turn it off so we can hear you and you can hear Dr. Mays. The number to call is 318-219-4569 and you'll see that across the bottom of your screen throughout the show. So let's get to Dr. Mays. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Terry. So good to see you again. It's always a pleasure to be here. We love talking. I love talking to you through the breaks, um, getting ready for this. It's always a pleasure. So You're easy to talk to. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm genuinely interested, and especially today, to talk about hip pain because I've, I've already learned so much just from this morning. And let's talk about, again, what you're talking about, what the symptoms that it can cause that we might not be aware of. Right. Hip pain is a very common problem. You know, it can be caused by arthritis is a common thing in older people. Bursitis is something people don't know about, but it's a very common, probably the most common cause of hip pain. In our younger patient, there's another problem called labral tear, oh. which is something that athletes get, younger people get, that I also deal with on a regular basis. And what is that? A labral tear, uh, the hip is a, is a joint, and it's a ball, and, and it's in a socket. The femur is the ball, and the socket is the acetabulum, which is part of the pelvis. Around that socket, is tissue called a labrum and it acts like a fluid seal around the ball to seal joint fluid in the hip and it protects the hip that's kind of like a meniscus in the knee if you've ever heard of a meniscus yes. tear in the knee well the labrum around the hip also can be torn and that can happen either from an injury like a sports injury we see it in cheerleading and gymnastics people where they're doing jumps and the splits and things like that or it can happen over time. A lot of people have a congenital condition, which is called, it's kind of got a big name here. Okay. It's called femoral acetabular impingement. That's what I thought you were gonna say. FAI yeah. is a common, <laughs> common cause. And that's kind of a congenital condition that people are either born with or that develops in adolescence. And it causes the ball, instead of being round, it's kind of cam-shaped. Huh and over time it can damage the acetabulum and damage the labrum and that's a common problem we deal with. I do something called hip scopes, hip arthroscopy, where you can go in through two small portals and repair the labrum and reshape the ball of the hip so that it's round now and then you don't get further injury to that and that's something that we deal with in our younger people and our athletes. Uh, typically it's not a problem of older people. If somebody comes in and they're in their really 40s and above, 50s, 60s. If they do have that, by the time they get to me, they already have arthritis, so that ends up being more of an arthritic problem. But if you catch it early, like if somebody comes in when they're in their 20s or 30s, sometimes even 40s, we can fix the hip so they don't end up with arthritis later and they can avoid a hip replacement. Is there any certain symptom that heightens you to that, that what this might be? Uh, labrum tear typically have pain in the groin okay. and it's usually with activity. So, you know, I'll have somebody who um, is starting an exercise program and they're maybe starting to run or they're doing a couch to 5K or something. And every time they start to run, they get up above a mile, they start to have that groin pain. And when they come in, we'll get an x-ray, I'll examine them. And oftentimes they do have femoral acetabular impingement or a labrum tear. That's usually how it shows up. Um, you can have a car wreck or a severe injury and get a labrum tear. 
Typically that's with activity, it's in the groin. Some people might feel a popping or a catching in their hip, and that's something to go get checked out. Okay, and when you talk about that ball not being round and you can make it round, is it too technical for us to get into how you exactly do that? How does that, uh, that happen? That can be difficult. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, cam deformity okay. uh, is what that is, and it's very common. If you look at professional athletes or even hockey players and you x-ray all of them, over 50% of them are going to have that to some degree. Um, for a long time, we felt that it was a congenital thing, but now we're starting to find that it is common in large individuals who are very physically active when they're developing their hip in adolescence. So if you're dealing with a big guy who's playing football at a young age, they tend to develop that. That's why it's so common in professional athletes. And you'll see a lot of athletes these days are, are having hip arthroscopies, and it's usually for that problem. Um, and when you're doing the hip, you also, the scope, you also have an x-ray in there. So you can kind of mark the tissue you're gonna remove. And before surgery, oftentimes we'll get an MRI or a CT, and we can kind of map out the areas that we're gonna remove um, at the time of surgery. But it is something that takes many years to kind of figure out. Uh, but we have tools to help us. <laughs> tools, okay. The tools get better every year Yeah, too. do you want to talk about the tools yet or talk a little well, bit more about what's going on? You know, um, as in orthopedic surgery, we like to play with tools. We mm -hmm. have robots and we have MRIs and CTs and arthroscopies. We have a lot more equipment than most specialties that we have to kind of master. And as you, you know, when I finished 20 years ago, we had a limited number of tools. We certainly didn't have robots, and a lot of arthroscopy was very basic. So throughout your career, you have to kind of keep up with the latest developments. You have to make sure that you go to conferences. Uh, I try to keep up with, uh, I'm kind of a techie. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my background is in engineering, and it fascinates me. And that's what kind of I enjoy about orthopedics, because it's a challenge and every case is different. And there's always new tools and new devices you have to kind of master to be good at what we do. Yeah, it's got to be amazing seeing how much it has grown and changed just in the 20 years. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, and you look back at what we used to do with ACL reconstructions and joint replacements and people were in the hospital for a week and went to rehab for a month. And nowadays, over 90% of people who have a hip or knee replacement don't even spend one day in the hospital. They go home and you know, and a lot of it has to do with we have better methods of pain control now, rapid mobilization, and just through the years we learn new techniques and new ways to fix things. And, it, and the devices that we use, the joint replacements, it's like cars. You know, every year a new model comes out and it's slightly better than the one last year. If you compare today's model car to one a couple of years ago, there's not much difference, but you compare it to a car 20 years ago and it's a massive difference. So it's an evolutionary change. And it must be exciting to be working on something now and know there's something better coming. Or even you probably right. thinking, I know that this could, I could do this. If I could just do this, well, I'm going to be able to do this. Well, you have to be careful. There's always <laughs> new things coming out. And sometimes the new things are not necessarily better than the old things. Um, so you don't always want to be the first guy to do the everything that comes out the minute it does. I love you brought that up. We talk about that, and we've got a caller. Karen's on the line, and we're going to get her on there. But I want to talk again about the new thing is not always the best thing right away. So right. we'll get to that. Hi, Karen. Thanks for calling. What is your question? I don't really have a question. I want to praise Dr. Mays. My husband has had two knee replacements done, 
And over the years, between the first one and the second one, there were a lot of new gadgets for him to put in my husband. And he did a fantastic job. And I just want to say that if anybody out there is afraid to have these things done, that you go from pain and limping to being very agile and active. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for calling, Karen. We really appreciate that. It's always great. It's one of the things I love about our viewers and our callers and Healthline 3 and having you right here, that we can hear. It's much better. We can talk about it for half an hour, but when you hear from someone who has literally had this done and from the doctor we're talking to, that really makes all the difference. That's why I love what I do. You yeah. know, I tell people, ask me what I do. I tell them I'm a human mechanic, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, orthopedics is, is different than a lot of other specialties because we get people come in they have a problem we fix them and then they leave and they go live their life and it's rare that they have additional problems you know it's not just a maintenance Um, so and the technology and the joint replacements and the arthroscopy techniques we have today were not available when I first got out 20 years ago so you have to constantly be learning and staying on top of the new things that are available but like you said, you can't get on every new trend. I right. always like to give it a couple of years to make sure it's panning out first because throughout my career, there's been some of the paths that we thought were gonna be good and they turned out to not be better. Right. So that's a tough decision sometimes. And there's some of those like other, um, we talked to other, other doctors, other fields where sometimes they'll be over in Europe for a couple of years before they come over here. You're constantly getting the data, you know what's coming, but you're watching and seeing really what works and what doesn't. Yeah, other countries in Europe in particular has much laxer requirements mm-hmm. for re- approval, for using their some of their things. So they're kind of a testing ground somewhat, but even some things that look good over there come over here and they just don't pan out. You know, like everything today, there's marketing, there's big money, there's companies behind different products, and it's kind of can be difficult to kind of dig through and figure out what's really best for the patients. Yeah, definitely. It's good to know what you're trying out on your patients. Yeah, and I don't, don't want to be the first, but I don't <laughs> want to be the last either. I want to be... Right, I want it soon enough so you right. can help people. But And it's so nice that it's not really... A lot of them like are not replacing things. They're enhancing things. Right. Like what you're doing is state-of-the-art. Well, well you're no like hurry to, to use the new stuff. You know, that's why, you know, there's a lot of doctors that just do joint replacements or mm-hmm. just do arthroscopy. They do, you know, in our specialty, it gets what you call subspecialized. Right. And you know, you have joint replacement guys, you have spine guys, you have hand guys, you have sports guys. There's very few general orthopedists anymore, um, but some of these fields overlap. Like mm. some of the things I do as far as adult reconstruction, which is joint replacement, and sports medicine, which is arthroscopy. So that's why um, I like hip pain so much because it kind of overlaps both of those. And I'm, I kind of do like, enjoy doing both of those. Yeah. I'm old enough to still be kind of a general orthopedics. Right. And it's nice to be able to have that choice and to it know is. what works. And, and as we were talking earlier, I don't want to sound like we operate on everybody that walks in. Right. You know, so probably about one in 10 of the people I see initially in clinic, clinic end up needing surgery. And so a lot of these things can be treated with other techniques. Um, Weight loss, very important, something we deal with in this area a lot. Um, 
that's very important as far as arthritis is concerned and even bursitis. Um, exercise, you know, so the first thing we're going to do when I see somebody with hip pain, we're going to diagnose them. I'm going to make some recommendations. Sometimes it's weight loss and we have to have a long sit down and talk about that and I'll even give them some techniques, can refer them to people that can help them with that. Um, we're going to talk about exercise because exercise is vitally important, especially for the hip. Uh, and a lot of times we don't rest things well and we don't operate them well, but we exercise them well. Mm. And that's where physical therapy, I work very closely with physical therapists every day and they are, I couldn't do my job without them. So physical therapy, exercise, weight loss, there are injections, there are anti-inflammatory medications that can be beneficial. Um, but we're all responsible for taking care of ourselves. And I was telling you before we started, you know, a lot of people will take better care of their car than they do of their own body. You know, this is our vehicle. And if we're gonna not feed it right, and we're not gonna take care of it, it's gonna break down. And you can get away with things when you're 20 and 30, but when you get to be 40, 50, and 60, they're gonna come back to bite you. So I try to emphasize to my patients how important nutrition, weight, exercise is because it's it's you can't just fix people they have to kind of we're a team you know so I tell people all the time I'm gonna do my part and if you do your part chances are we'll do fine but it's not a one-man team it's a two-person team that's really good it's a two-person team and you're always listening and there's no silly question there's no, no bad question you have time to talk to them and sometimes I think we come to see a doctor we don't want to take up too much time or we're afraid we're not gonna ask the right questions just ask everything that's what you're there for right right you know and and it's it's basically trying to figure out initially what the problem is and then figuring out the best way to fix it and oftentimes the best way to fix it is not surgery you know, sometimes you got to do surgery, but that's rare. Most of the people can be helped or improved with other techniques. And uh, we work through those together. Um, I like to think that it's a partnership and um, I like to help people. And it's not always surgery. <laughs> Which is really good. So we've talked about that before too. Do you find that um, we as the ones taking care of our body, the patients, the people who come to talk to you, maybe we either forget or don't know that we're coming to see a surgeon, but that's really the last thing the surgeon wants to do is have to operate on you. There's so much to do, and the one you want to talk to about whether to or not is the surgeon. Right. Right? Um, people come in and they'll say, and I'll discuss things with them, and I'll tell them, oh, you have this, and these are the things we can do, blah, 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 blah. And they'll look at me and they'll say, I just want it fixed. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's not the way this works. You know, we have to try other things first. And fixing things is often not the right thing to do. You know, because sometimes when surgery is always somewhat of a risk. You know, no matter how good a surgery you do, how well you plan for it, there are always things that can go wrong. So I tell people all the time, you know, you don't want to look back or go to another doctor and they'll say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you try that? You know, there's things you can try first. You can't get a hip replacement and not like it and get your old hip back. You know, but if you've done weight loss, exercise, anti-inflammatories, worked with a physical therapist, and you still have hip pain, 
and then you get a hip replacement, you're not going to look back and say that doctor was cut happy, you know, because yeah. we don't really fix people. We try to help them fix themselves. And if that fails, there's always the fallback of surgery. Um, but, you know, it's often not the first thing we go to. Yeah, and I think too, I've been in that position. I had excruciating back pain, I had herniated discs, and even one side of my body was atrophying because I held on too long and just couldn't stop working long enough to have it done a long time ago. And I'll be honest, yeah, I wanted to go and I would have had him do it in the surgery, in the office right there. Just I wanted right. it fixed because it was really debilitating. But then I found that some of the things that he asked me to do ahead of time actually got me in better shape to have the surgery too. It's not always an instead, right? That is true. You know, a lot of people, you know, they trust surgeons. Yes. And they trust doctors. But you need to do your own research. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you gotta take care of yourself. Um, when somebody recommends surgery, and you think in the back of your mind, oh, maybe I don't need that. Never hesitate to go see, see another doctor, get a second opinion. You know, I'll sometimes when I'll recommend, we've gone through things and recommend surgery and people will look at me like, are you sure? I'm like, you know, why don't we get a second opinion? You know, I don't want you to, you know, trust me necessarily. Let's go see another doctor. And they think it's gonna hurt my feelings <laughs> if they go see another doctor. That's not right, you know, I'll, I'll want a second opinion. I want people to be confident that I'm recommending the right thing, that we've done everything possible to get them better, uh, but you have to take care of yourself. And there are people out there that may or may not have your best interest in mind. And you know, the human brain evolved over millions of years to be an excellent lie detector. And if you have any type of reservations that maybe this isn't the right thing, don't just go get some crazy surgery done. Get a second opinion, get a third opinion. Uh, usually we're not dealing with life or death issues that have to be done immediately. And any surgeon or physician out there is not gonna have a problem with a second or even third opinion. Right, and oh, we have a Betty on the line. Oh, hi Danny, what is your question for the doctor? Okay, I got a, my left, it's a, I've had three back surgeries, and I don't feel like this is in my back. It's in my hip, or in my, it's in my buttocks, but it's right where my, when I move my leg, I can feel where it moves in that joint, and that's, and it don't hurt all the time, but if I make a wrong move, it'll take my breath away, and I even fell down with it, like my leg just went out from under me. Well, Danny, that's a common problem. And like I said at the first of the show, hip and back problems are often overlap. And I can't tell you how many times through the years I've seen somebody who's been undergoing treatment for their back for years. Maybe they've even had two or three back surgeries. And then they come see me and we find out the pain is really coming from the hip and vice versa. Sometimes people will have a hip replacement, hopefully not one that I've done, and afterwards it didn't help their pain mysteriously and then we find out uh, it's found out that maybe it's coming from the back you know so okay, back and hip overlap and some doctors we try not to get tunnel vision but when you do what you do you're looking for the things you do and oftentimes we can overlook or miss things because we all uh, nobody's perfect if you're having right. trouble and you're not getting relief 
it would be probably a good idea to go see a different doctor and just get another opinion and I would be happy to see okay, you. Okay, well, I hadn't been to a doctor in years. Or, well, I tried not to go. <laughs> yeah, well. I, well, just like right now, I'm taking smart. Advil, and that's the only way I'm surviving is taking two Advil about every six hours. Well, you have to be careful with Advil. It's an over-the-counter medication, but it can cause problems as well. So you, okay. I would recommend you see an orthopedic surgeon um, and get that evaluated. It could be a very simple thing. Go to thing. who? Go to what now? An orthopedic surgeon. Okay. That's what I was wondering. All right, but well, um, I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. And he brought up some good points, too, about it's still, even when you hear it, it's in your hip area. It's hard to imagine that it's not your hip, that it is from something it, else. It, but it, it's, you know, it's not easy. Yeah. There's referred pain there. You know, it, it's a common issue we get into. Um, back problems like you have. I have a terrible back. <laughs> yeah. My back is a disaster. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and even last year myself, I kept having this back pain, and I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm going to X-ray, X-ray myself. I'm sitting there all day with an X-ray machine. I could X-ray myself in like two minutes, <laughs> and I, sure enough, I get an X-ray. I've been hurting in my back for years, and I have a problem that I've had for 20 years that I didn't realize. And I went and got some injections. I actually went and saw the physical therapist. I started intermittent fasting. I lost almost 40 pounds. Wow! And it and my pain went away, you know, and I see people all the time with back problems, and I'll tell them, my back's 10 times worse than yours, <laughs> you know, so I, before you give up on this, let's try some other things. And um, it's shocking how much those things can improve, even without surgery. Right, okay. We have Mandy on the line. Randy, we have Yes, how you doing today? Good, what's your question? Uh, I, 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 I have been seeing an orthopedic surgeon uh, for a while now and he has told me so I have severe osteoporosis for one and very bad and, and, and well my, my right hip is out and he has told me that I have the body of an 87 year old man I'm 50 years old uh, he has told me that, that, that I really need a hip replacement but I'm too young for it because they last like 10 or 15 years but the misery and the pain doesn't necessarily go away from me so is there any other options well I think you probably have misunderstood somewhat it's extremely rare for a 50 year old man to have osteoporosis you probably have osteoarthritis which is damage oh no sir I, I take a once a year shot for because the once a week the once a week pill wasn't it, it just got worse well I, I, I was born I was born with an inherited blood disorder Okay. That has caused many, many health issues. Well, that's a possibility then. Obviously, that's a very rare condition for a man. And if you do have osteoarthritis of your hip and you do end up needing a hip replacement, it's, it's not true. Hip replacements very rarely fail. And over 95% of them last basically forever. If you look at hip replacements, even 30 years out, over 95% of them are still functioning. So a hip replacement today is a forever hip. It's very rare that I have to revise one or fix one that was done even 20 or 30 years ago. The technology we have can fix your hip, make you a normal hip, and you never have to worry with it again. The majority of the time. Well, that's what I, yes, sir. That's what I. That's what I thought myself. But I mean, it, it don't make sense with all my other illnesses. 
why 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 not just go ahead and, 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 and do this for me and let me have a productive life? Well, I'm sure your case is a, is a little more complicated than that. You know, sometimes with other conditions and osteoporosis, I would have to review your case on an individual basis. But, you know, I would be happy to see you in clinic if you're nearby. And, and uh, where are you located? Bozier, Willis Knight and Bozier. Willis Knight and Bozier, I don't think y'all take my insurance. I'm on, a, I'm on SSI, so... I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a pickle because there's some limited to the doctors I can't see in the state and all that. Well, give me a call. I'll see if I can help you. Okay, I sure will. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for calling. It's such good questions too. Another one, and and that's a good point to end on with that call is to just call and make sure. You Absolutely. never know. You might have been turned down several times. You might understand uh, that your insurance isn't taken and there's no hope. But just call. It doesn't hurt to ask. Uh, I think I take every insurance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very rarely that we have somebody who we don't take their insurance. Yeah. I am at Willis Knighton, and we take it all. They far pretty as I much know. do. I tell you, it's <laughs> true. The things I even see come through here, it's pretty amazing. Uh, Just call Willis Knighton and, yeah. and find out. And, and if you don't, someone doesn't know, they refer you to someone else within and, the. And you know, it's system. hard to deal with a. That's not like a complex case. Yeah. A very unusual one. You know, so that's hard to deal with on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, but. If you're having hip pain and it's not getting better with weight loss and exercise and over-the-counter anti-inflammatories, um, come see me and I'll help you sort it out. And that's why you're there, because another thing we talk about, not only advancements in surgeries and technology or um, information and ways to help someone lose weight and feel good about their life, there's now, people used to just give up hope and or we think you know think well i'm at this age i've just got a bad hip there's a lot of times they just don't think in their mind there's anything they can do but they yeah. have no idea what you can do no it's amazing if i had to have a hip replacement or a knee replacement i would have a hip replacement every time mm -hmm. they don't get stiff they get well quicker once they do get over 80 percent of people who have a hip replacement forget they have it it becomes a normal hip and the hips and the techniques we're using today there are really no restrictions after surgery you probably shouldn't bull ride but other than that, there's pretty much anything you want to do, and it is a game changer. And I love hip replacements, probably my favorite surgery yeah. of all the surgeries that I do. And what's the recovery time? It's very quick. You know, most people like to get a hip done, go home today, we'll see them back in two weeks. Typically, they're off of the walker or crutches, and usually within about a month, they're out doing everything, and in about two or three months, they're playing golf and tennis and it's it's a usually a very quick recovery. That's really interesting. Then playing tennis, golf, maybe in some things they never thought they could try before because they've been in pain. Or absolutely, you know, if you look at all the advances in medicine over the last fifty or a hundred years, joint replacements got to be up there with the top ones. Right. It's a it really makes a huge difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Huge difference. And you find it's a way to, um, you have such a nurturing way and knowledgeable way of talking to people about, especially the weight loss and, and that there's no, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's nothing if you are, in fact, to look at like, oh, my problem is that I'm overweight and you have even resources to help them lose the weight. That's all that could fix it. I mean, it's controllable. Right. You know, four times your body weight goes through your knee and your hip when you're walking. So it makes a huge difference. Um, it's a sens sensitive subject for a lot of people. And when I first got out, I didn't realize that. I was a young surgeon and thought I would just go in and tell people what to do and they would just do what I said. It doesn't work like that. No. You know, and a lot of people, you have to kind of ease into it 
you have to kind of let them know that, you know, I'm not condemning you. I'm just giving you some recommendations. And if, and I tell people, you know, you don't have to lose the weight quickly, but you do need to start somewhere. And massive obesity, and we're not talking about just a little overweight. We see people who are 400 pounds and they're coming in and they're like, can't figure out why their knee's hurting. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not a medical mystery. I tell people that sometimes. And we can work through this together and if at the end you need a joint replacement, that's fine. We can do that, but we need to try other things first. Because if you just get a joint replacement or just get a scope or whatever, and then you don't change these other factors, it's not going to alter your life in the future and you're going to be back. Yeah. And what a nice thing to do to um, kind of shift it when you decide that this may not be the thing that's going to fix it, but it's certainly, I know it's going to help. You can shift it even away from the knee pain. Let's not even think about your joint pain right now. Let's really just, how can I help you feel better, get and, you know, lose some weight, take right. the weight off your joints. So it kind of makes they get to participate almost as a doctor of them, of their own body. Well, it's, it's important. I remember, you know, some people, it takes a heart attack and going to a doctor to stop smoking. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes people are obese and they know they are. You know, they've been dealing with it for years and years, but they need a trigger, something to kind of push them into making that change because it's an uncomfortable and difficult change. And if I can help them with that, I don't want to push them so hard that they say he's an idiot and he's mean or he doesn't like big people and goes to another doctor, but I want to kind of nudge them enough that they make those changes and then we can work through that together. So it might not even be that your knees are really bad. Your knees are just being really nice and giving you a wake-up call <laughs> saying, hey, you know, let's, well, let's get healthy. Let's. It's, it's, you know, okay. the knees are part of the body. And, right. you know, I tell people after a knee replacement, if it, if it comes out perfect, it's going to be okay. as good as the rest of you. All right. Really good advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Mays. Always a pleasure. We Thank really you, appreciate Terry. you being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.